Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's Talking Africa program. Talking Africa provides in-depth interviews with experts and other actors in the field of peace and security in Africa. Hello, I'm Desmond Davis. My guest today is Dr. Albert Mbiatem, who was part of the 2013-2014 group of MSc Fellows in Security, Leadership and Society at the African Leadership Centre, King's College London. He recently co-wrote a book, Whose Peace Are We Building? Leadership for Peace in Africa with Youssef Mahmoud, a visiting professor at the ALC. Uh, Albert, can you please tell us a bit about how you and uh, uh, Mahmoud, Professor Mahmoud, uh, worked on, on, collaborated on this book, which is quite an interesting one indeed. Uh, Desmond, thank you very much uh, for having me here. It was an amazing experience working now with Ambassador Youssef Mahmoud. Uh, before I discuss our, our experience, please, I want to uh, mention uh, under which framework our book assignment fell. <clears throat> this is under the leading practitioner program of the African Leadership Center. Yeah. Uh, and this was an initial and insightful conception of Professor Fumi Olenishakin, as you well know, the founding director of the African Leadership Center. And this yeah. program is fundamentally meant to consolidate the nexus between theory and practice. Uh, by setting up avenues for mutual exchange of uh, experience between uh, researchers and practitioners. But for this program, uh, we design it from an intergenerational research collaboration perspective. And talking about the research collaboration perspective, I would, that is what actually guided my, uh, my working relation with the Ambassador Yusef Mahmoud. Uh, alumni of the African Leadership Center I paired with leading practitioners being former or current at government, international and or international organization or civil society level. <clears throat> that is to say, a young researcher is paired with an experienced leading practitioner. And in this context, I was paired with Mamut yourself. <clears throat> and the following aspect, I think, if I may clearly recall, uh, underpin my uh, research collaboration with uh, Mahmoud Yusuf while uh, writing this particular book. Uh, one of the first and key aspects was language and communication. Yes. Uh, we are both fluent in uh, English and French, and uh, some of the interviews uh, were in French, and uh, we could exchange fluently uh, in French even when I visited Tunisia. I went to his uh, home village and there was a lot of conversation. And again, we could also exchange in English and that made uh, the beauty and the uniqueness of this particular experience. I think the second aspect uh, fundamentally was uh, the exchange of knowledge and leadership. Uh, in this case, I, I am a former student of leadership and now a researcher on leadership. I could share my conceptual and theoretical knowledge on leadership with uh, Ambassador Mahmoud Youssef, why in return he could uh, share leadership in his practicality from the UN perspective on the field. And I think uh, that's, uh, like I earlier said, he actually consolidated that nexus between leadership and practice that ALC portrays wherever uh, it should be. How long did this process take you and uh, 
uh, Professor Mahmoud, uh, getting yeah, the book I, into print? In, in writing the book, it exactly took about uh, two years. I'm talking about uh, uh, the write-up. I'm just talking about uh, uh, the collection of primary data and also uh, some decks review in terms of having uh, going through some uh, UN document and including some classified uh, document of the organization. Uh, so it took us two years, and uh, there was another process for the publication and for uh, those uh, reviewing the book or editing uh, the book. I think that it was an amazing experience because uh, Mahmoud is not only a, a, a practitioner, it's also a, a researcher. So uh, we could also blend our research uh, experiences in that dimension. Uh, yeah, so while you were doing the research and writing the book, did you find some interesting things about how UN peacekeeping works? I mean, something that actually uh, disturbed you rather than yeah. uh, excited you. I think definitely, and that is again, I would say it again, that is again the beauty of this uh, intergenerational uh, research collaboration. Uh, because uh, uh, he was so uh, very sincere with uh, uh, what has been happening or what is happening in the UN, I, I found that uh, what is always found in the various reports or, or in some of the resolution at the level of implementation is not the case. And it's kind of uh, more of exporting or, or imposing external solution to some internal predicament that yes. do not always request those external solutions. Uh, so at a level of having local solutions uh, fit uh, the internal predicament, uh, we, we continue to have those challenges. And so those are some of the challenges we raised when we were writing uh, the book. And some of the challenges we discussed during the interview with some of his former collaborators. And that, uh, I, I would say, it linked us now to uh, the complexities of, uh, of, of, of UN missions and also some of the gaps, the implementation gaps uh, we find on the ground when it comes to UN uh, missions. Yes, when you mention complexities, I'm sure you mean bureaucracy, isn't it? But that's what the critics of the UN have been saying, that it is too bureaucratic, too top-heavy with all these Secretary Generals and, and what have you. I mean, isn't that the case? I mean, that the reality on the ground is never ever uh, in the minds of those in New York. Yes, but it's not only about, uh, from uh, my experience, uh, from uh, our, when you go to uh, the book, it's not only about the UN, the bureaucratic, we are very right about that, the bureaucratic nature of the UN, the top-down, uh, yes. the hierarchical the, the or the top-down approach. It's also mm -hmm. about the missions on the ground and the relation between the head of the mission or the mission with the government, the host government. Uh, you, you remember uh, in the book, uh, uh, he was finally in Burundi, declared persona non grata. And, and that was due to uh, uh, a kind of tense relation uh, uh, with the government of, of, of Burundi at time uh, perceiving that uh, he's not, he's too close to, uh, the opposition or the rebel or, or the opposition might. So it's, 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 it's a bit very complex when, uh, the, 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 the special way is on the ground and, and wants to do his job objectively. Uh, there are a lot of subjectivities that might not allow him, 
go forward in his uh, assignment. So, so what, what you're saying, you didn't expose everything in the book, did you? Yeah, I, 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 I think in the book is so clear, it's clearly written, and there are a lot of revelations in the book. It's a, it's a kind of learning experience, uh, uh, it's a kind of uh, experience learning book, learning lesson book that uh, we've co-authored with Ambassador Yusef Mahmoud. Uh, not only that, uh, it was uh, from the very beginning seriously conceptualized because there's a chapter, there's a conceptual chapter, but at a level of the practicality, there are contextual chapters and practical chapters that describe this complexity at the level of the host, as we're saying, host uh, state, and also at the level of the UN with the bureaucracy you just highlighted. And uh, Youssef Mahmoud uh, was very, very uh, uh, sincere in his, uh, in his writings, uh, in his uh, communication with me. He, he just revealed what happened on the ground and how he, 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 he's now feeling that, uh, he could have done better. And that's where you go to the last chapter, reflection in hindsight. You will yes. see, uh, you, you will listen to Mahmoud speaking, talking to, uh, uh, those who might succeed him or those who might be occupying, uh, this particular mm-hmm. position of, uh, uh, special envoy or special representative of the Secretary General in various mission across the world. So there are a lot of these revelations there. Yes. How do you yourself feel personally uh, in writing uh, the book with someone who's got such a wide experience of uh, UN peacekeeping? Ah, that is a, that is a very good question, Desmond. Ah. Throughout, I, 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 I felt so good. Uh, I, I felt so, so moved. I saw, I, I felt, uh, being, uh, uh understanding leadership in all its practicalities. I, I think that's, uh, that was the linking of my, of my, uh, of my collaboration with Ambassador mm-hmm. Mahmoud yourself. Is, he, was worthy. I think uh, I learned a lot. I've understood a lot in terms of leadership in practice, uh, in terms of uh, I can now easily uh, connect that conceptual and theoretical uh, or part of leadership to the practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in my analysis, even in my uh, current research writer, it has uh, improved my, my level of analysis uh, to a, a significant extent. Yes, uh, but I'm sure... There must have been some uh, ups and downs in, in the process of writing the book. I mean, how? What were these problems, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, uh, definitely. It would not, uh, not have been plain plain sailing, as such. Yeah, I you are very worried about it. I think uh, is is quite an unprecedented uh, book project at the African Leadership Center. A very unique. You. Uh, I don't have an example of such a project across the world. Uh, definitely you have the guinea pigs effect. Uh, we were supposed to overcome those guinea pig effect. Uh, I would, I think we just have as uh, initially I was there with, uh, Akin Bude, another uh, fellow. He was, he yeah. had been working with uh, Ginega Aguay and, uh, 
uh, Professor Fumi uh, brought us and uh, came up with a conceptual background. And in all these, uh, we were initiating a lot of things and we had to, to, to address some of the challenges in terms of this. I think the African leadership is uh, working towards that. We are institutionalizing uh, uh, this uh, particular leadership, leading <laughs> practitioners uh, program, uh, based on some of the challenges uh, we, we face. The challenges were in terms of, uh, of maybe, uh, the style or in terms of, uh, at times some logistic, uh, but, uh, I think with our zeal, with our commitment, with our determination to, to, to meet our objectives, uh, we didn't feel as challenges, we just felt that we were guinea pig effect that we had to overcome. So to oh. us, it wasn't challenges. Yeah, that, 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 that's interesting. How were you yourself chosen for this project? Because there were other uh, ALC fellows. How 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 were you chosen? Uh, for the choosing, uh, I think uh, you remember there's more. You presented uh, me uh, like part of uh, a cohort. Uh, 2013, 2014 cohort. Yeah, you remember we, uh, the, that particular cohort started, uh, the, effectively the leadership program, uh, and the, the project was more on leadership. So, uh, that, that's the main reason why, uh, just two of our cohort were selected, uh, to mm-hmm. assist. I think with Ambassador Mahmoud yourself, might be because of uh, my uh, uh, bilingual background I mean, in terms of you know, he's from Tunisia. Uh, yeah. He speaks uh, French. Uh, he speaks English. I, I do so as well. Uh, I, think, I think that's the main reason because I can't tell you it's because uh, I was a very good leadership student. No, my cohort, they are very, very good leadership fellows in my cohort. And uh, I think that's the, that's that, that's why maybe I was uh, selected based on a uh, language uh, advantage. I think it's about it. Basically, it's about the leadership or uh, knowledge or leadership performance. Ah, you you can tell they call there are a lot of tough guys or tough ladies uh, in that cohort. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So the, the, this is the first book in the series, isn't it? Yeah, that's the first book in the series. Mm-hmm. And, and, and do you know what the next one is? Uh, oh, yeah, we are seeing, uh, uh, Akin, a body with Dinega, Agwai, Martin coming up. Um, uh, there are other fellows that, that are quite good numbers of, uh, uh alumni, uh, working with leading practitioners. I think Abdullah Batili, uh, Professor Abdullah Batili, I think former minister in Senegal, he has also been a special representative who yeah. has worked with Leonie. Uh, I think, uh, Dr. Tony is also, uh, doing some work with, with another leading practitioner. Uh, quite a lot of alumni are working with, uh, leaders, uh, leading practitioner. I think it's coming on very, very well. It's coming on very, very well. I think, uh, that this particular leadership practitioner program will be a, another flag bearer for the African Leadership Center when mm-hmm. it comes to uh, connecting uh, a theory to practice uh, on leadership. You are listening to Talking Africa on the ALC Pan-African Radio. 
Stay tuned. Welcome back. My guest today is Dr. Albert Mbiatim, who was part of the 2013-2014 group of MSc fellows in security, leadership and society at the African Leadership Centre, King's College, London. He recently co-wrote a book, Whose Peace Are We Building? Leadership for Peace in Africa with Yusuf Mahmoud, a visiting professor at the ALC. So what do you yourself think of the uh, this intergenerational approach whereby leading practitioners uh, paired with senior practitioners from the ALC itself, from, from uh, alumni from the ALC? How does that work? I think it works so well. Like I earlier said, it's actually a kind of uh, more of uh, learning from younger researchers. Uh, I think, uh, and there's a lot of chemistry between these uh, younger researcher and being older, either older researcher or leading practitioner. I also think we, we need that. It's just like uh, an additional mentoring in, in the African Leadership mm-hmm. Center. We, we, we know you've been used at this morning, being a part of our mentoring cluster, and you've yeah. mentored a lot of us here at ALC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is an, an a form of uh, having uh, some young researcher or some future uh, leaders understanding uh, uh, leadership in practice, understanding what happens across society in practice in order to uh, uh, better apply with their conceptual and theoretical knowledge acquired over time uh, at ALC or in various research centers across the world. So uh, that particular uh, intergenerational collaboration research uh, is unique, is key, yeah. and is uh, very, very, very important to build future generation of not only leaders, uh, but also researchers and also Africans as a whole. Yeah, because that's a good point you, you made about uh, uh, preparing uh, African leaders for the future. I mean... yeah. The ALC has done quite well over the last uh, 10 years in, in, in uh, training uh, young leaders who will take over 10, 20 years' time. But how is it going? I mean, how is the Alumni Association working? I mean, is, is there a keen interest among uh, alumni or is it just a handful who uh, want to, to see this project through? What, what has been the, uh, the reaction from uh, alumni? in terms of moving the ALC forward and its ideals? Yeah. <laughs> I think, lastly, uh, alumni are keen to uh, to see all ALC objectives uh, meet in due time. And uh, the Alumni Association, you know, is very active, uh, very resilient. Mm-hmm. Even in time of COVID-19, uh, we could uh, have election, we could hold a uh, uh, a conference, an international conference, I think you took part. Uh, we are, uh, uh, and that's uh, what I want to commend, that the resilience uh, during the COVID-19, which was an ascending period, and which tells you again that uh, uh, it's really an alumni, uh, uh, an alumni uh, network of an African leadership center, because it was thanks mm-hmm. to leadership uh, that we saw this resilience among alumni during this particular period. Now, how it works, a lot of alumni are across the world. A lot of alumni yes. do a lot of achieve across the world. And a lot of alumni continue to depict 
the core values of the ALC. And uh, you, you see that in the achievements, wherever they find themselves, and that aspect of excellency, you, you, you always find that when an ALC alumni is somewhere, the aspect of independent thinking, which is part of a core ALC, and the respect of diversity, you, you, you see that in, uh, in, in alumni of the African Leadership Center, and uh, the alumni uh, network of the African Leadership Center is really pushing for uh, to seeing ALC achieve in terms of, of of setting up or establishing this next generation of leaders. And I want to say not only leaders of Africa, because uh, uh, the term leaders you, you 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 might call it like those on top, but they're not always those on top. It's also that aspect of uh, the the relation between uh, people meeting across various uh, contexts. Exactly, because whenever I, I, I speak to the, the fellows, I ask them whether they're learning anything in terms of leadership, current leadership in Africa, because there's a failure of leadership in Africa. How, how do you yourself view this failure of, of leadership in Africa? Will it affect the way you yourself uh, 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 will approach leadership uh, in the future? Or will you use the the, 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 the the lessons you learned from the ALC to deal with these problems of leadership at the moment? <laughs> uh, that's a very good one. Uh, that's more, I mean, even uh, even even your uh, Cameroon, your president is, is nowhere to be seen. Huh? That's not good <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, before going to uh, Cameroon context, it's, it's very good when you raise... Uh, about the failure of leadership in Africa. And that's the more reason why uh, the African Leadership uh, Center is coming in with more of uh, coming up with a path to address uh, those failures, path to address those deficits and those uh, leadership gaps. Uh, you know, uh, leadership is essentially preventive, restorative, and transformative. I tell you now that leadership can prevent conflict if there's an effective leadership. Even uh, amidst conflict, uh, leadership can restore peace. And, and also leadership is more fundamental in this uh, aspect because it's transformational. Mm. And, 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 and that's how uh, the African Leadership Center thinks. And through such uh, books like uh, what we've just co-authored with Ambassador Mahmoud uh, Yusuf, uh, yes. there are a lot of, uh, of recommendations. There are a lot of avenues to see how things might work for sustainable uh, uh, solutions. Uh, because uh, and, and, and in the book, uh, when we were conceptualizing uh, leadership, it was not more about uh, the, the leader, but it was about the how. And the how here is the process. The how is that relation, that mutual exchange between leaders and followers, which is fundamental because mm. it's, uh, it, it definitely determines how the result uh, will be. Be sustainable or not is the how. And because the how speaks to the context, the how responds to some of the demands or to demands as, or needs of the particular mm. society or those concerned. So uh, in Africa, uh, we need to come in with the how, which is that leadership as a process, not with uh, individuals who call themselves leader, uh, claim to have all the qualities 
and the fee they will achieve without the consent of those who are, cons are, are concerned or without addressing the needs of appropriate addressing the needs or the consent. Uh, so that, those are some of the issues we are having. Uh, I think uh, we are glad that uh, uh, with uh, the leading practitioner uh, program at African Leadership Center, we see how we are going to impact in that direction of prioritizing or recommending uh, the process approach of leadership, which to us is really lacking in the continent. On Cameroon, uh, politically, the ruling party controls the lower and the upper houses of the parliament yeah. with an overwhelming majority. And to that effect, decisions uh, become highly centralized. And you, 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 you find uh, things not working well because uh, when we talk of leadership, it's not only about, I said it, it's not only about the leader, it's about the followers. And King Green said something like, <laughs> to him, maybe the simplest definition of leadership would be having followers. That is, in quote, having followers. And in Cameroon, what type of follower do we have? That is a key question. What type of follower? And we are talking about constructive dissenting followers or destructive consenting followers. Mm -hmm. That is to say, uh, the destructive consenting followers are generally uh, the yes followers. Wherever you go, or even if you are wrong, uh, it's a form of uh, uh, telling you that you are always right, the boss is always right, it's okay. And if your feedback is always very subjective, they think about your personal interest, they think about being maintained uh, in that particular position. And the leader also build or the leader also construct those uh, destructive consenting followers because this is a leader that might not or that does not want any form of criticism of his yes. action. So you find things not working well. But on the other side, the constructive dissenting followers who give objective feedback are very, very scared. At a time, they bear the consequences of their objectivity. They bear the consequences of their objective feedback. So uh, this is a summary of what happened in Cameroon. We have largely the destructive consenting followers and the destructive consenting followers is just a replicate and it's just a construct of leaders in place who do not want to be criticized, who want to be uh, maintained in power and seeing things work well for them, and maybe their generation uh, coming uh, behind. Well, yes. I mean, when you have uh, a leader like Paul Beer, who's never seen, you can't even blame him for what's going wrong in Cameroon. It's it's the, the, the followers, those who are uh, running the country. They're the ones who are doing things in his name. And the point is, if things go wrong, they blame him. And that's what's happened all over Africa. Leaders are told what they want to hear, and the people who have to implement the policies do what they like. Isn't that the case? Uh, is it might not just be the case. Uh, you are very right. On one side, yeah, uh, there's the responsibility of the followers. Yes. But like I was saying, if the followers decide to be destructive consenting or, or decide to consent even when things go wrong, because the leader either explicitly or implicitly has asked them to do so. Because if they want to give objective feedback, they are sacked, they are jailed, some of them might be killed. 
so they might be doing that at the, they might be objective at the period of their life. Uh, mm. and you, is, and that's why when you are a leader, uh, the responsibility, the ultimate responsibility is on you. It's how you set ground for that relational aspect of leadership. Is that how you set ground for dialogue? How you set ground for negotiation? How you set ground for inclusivity? And that is leadership. And that's how a leader goes. And as if you want to give a lot of definition of, of leadership, a leader that does not concern with, uh, with, uh, with being followers or citizens or consult, uh, those concerns, we always have, uh, these issues of followers, uh, giving them praises even when they are wrong and they are going on the wrong direction. I think Ambassador Bamut yourself just published, uh, uh, in the accord, uh, something mm-hmm. on collective leadership, uh, which mm-hmm. is very key, which is important. And you saw during this COVID-19, uh, where collective leadership was implemented, the results were better off. So, uh, this aspect of, uh, the leaders saying that they're always giving him feedback, wrong feedback is also because the leader or the leaders have uh, consulted such followers based yes. on the, the, their leadership approach or their leadership style. And actually, the main problem one has encountered in Africa in terms of um, uh, criticism is that even when people are fair and they're objective, the opposition will say, will accuse you of being unpatriotic. And that is the main problem we have in Africa. No one can criticize government policies. You just have to accept. The moment you do, you, you, you you, it's treason, you're unpatriotic, you, you, you're not interested in, 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 in progress. That should not be the case. We see in other parts of the world, <laughs> politicians are criticized, they have to just accept those criticisms and, 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 and change things. But Africa, they don't want to listen to uh, uh, the opposing views. Isn't that the case? Yeah, you are, you are very, very right on, on point. Uh, Simon, your, your analysis are so, so pertinent in this uh, direction. And that's the case. That's definitely the case. That's what we find. And that's what we were saying about, uh, uh, the type of leadership you, 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 you the type of leadership you establish uh, when you, yeah. you are occupying a certain position. I think they, 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 they are very, very, uh, uh, not, uh, much inclined to criticism. Uh, of course, nobody, I will say people don't like criticism. Maybe it's ignorant. Uh, but when it comes know, to, yes. Exactly. When it comes to, uh, because the leadership in a society is about a collective goal. It's no longer a personal goal because without the followers, you are not a leader. And if you, mm-hmm. as you, if, you are, if we agree that without followers, you are not a leader, it's not about you. It's about us. It's about a we. And so, uh, you, you work for a collective or a societal goal. So you need uh, the, 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 the constructive criticism of those who come up. Of course, you can defend yourself on many points. I mean, where uh, you find criticism uh, very, very pertinent, I think you, 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 you should take to that and see how you, you improve in, uh, in carrying out some uh, activities. So, uh, you are very right about the, uh, next one. Yes. Uh, and also, uh, you've got an experience in leadership. Peace, mediation, and counterterrorism. What's the state of all this in Africa? I mean, leadership, peace, mediation, counterterrorism. How, how do you I, see the 
and you can play it out. Yeah, I mean, our leadership, we've talked of leadership, we've talked of security, we've, we've talked of, of this. I think we, we uh, I, I was saying that leadership is that uh, intersecting point in all what you've just uh, called in this uh, security, uh, peace, counter, uh, terrorism phenomena. Uh, leadership, when, uh, when there's lack of effective leadership, when, uh, some of the pillars of leadership are lacking, then you might see this uh, lack of peace erupting, or you might see, uh, terrorism coming up. You might also see, uh, insecurity across the world. And, mm. and, and, and that is why leadership is fundamental. That is why leadership is important. In Africa, you, you, you see almost across, uh, uh, different regions of, uh, of the continent. In the east of Africa, you talk of terrorism in Somalia, around, uh, in Somalia, around the region. Uh, you come to, uh, the Central Africa, uh, in Cameroon. Cameroon is threatening in its uh, far north region. It's terrorism. You go to, uh, West, uh, Africa. Uh, it's also terrorism. Uh, you go to <clears throat> uh, North Africa, terrorism. You go down. That is the last uh, 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 regional framework, according to... Yes. Uh, when I'm saying the last, it's not in terms of uh, grading. It's about uh, what I just cited. Uh, you go to uh, Southern Africa, and you see terrorism, the penetration of terrorism through uh, Mozambique. You, it's now... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you, you see, it's important to think about why this uh, a phenomenon of terrorism uh, is now uh, very, very rampant in the continent, in Africa. It goes beyond kind of intrastate conflict. This terrorism is having a kind of transnational facet. Uh, 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 what is going on? Are there internal factors or internal causes of that particular phenomenon? Yes, of course. Are also exogenous uh, factors of that particular phenomenon? Yes, of course. But I think what is important, what is more important is about beginning with the internal or indigenous uh, causes of that particular uh, phenomenon, which is terrorism. I think, and that's where leadership comes in again. That's where leadership comes in again. What happened? Why did people decide Maybe to join the terrorists who came from another country or the transnational terrorism network. Maybe because of frustration, employment frustration, uh, because mm -hmm. of uh, poverty, uh, because of other uh, social inequalities uh, that uh, did not really uh, keep uh, a person who would join in good shape. Uh, so uh, you, you, you see uh, the aspect of leadership comes in, and, and that's why it's important to push forward uh, a leadership in the continent. Uh, I, and, and that's what the African Leadership Center is doing. And the African Leadership Center at this moment is doing that uh, very well. Though uh, things evolve and we are called to rethink and see how uh, we continue to, to come up with solutions uh, for the continent. Yes, because whenever I mentor the, the ALC fellows, the point I always stress is that it's, if, it's as if Africans have, have, have lost the mind games. They don't believe in themselves, and they just believe in destruction, thinking that that's the only way that will get them forward. 
don't they realize that Africa is a continent, it's their home, they should preserve it. I mean, so it's, it's the mind game has been lost, isn't it? And you, uh, the younger generation, have to change that mindset that Africa is no good, that Africa depends on outsiders. Africa depends on its people and its resources. So there should be yeah. peace and security. Yeah, yeah. Africa have nothing to say about it there. You've said it so well that uh, I assume you, you've just said it. That's the point. That's the point. So you, the generation, now have to change, help change that mindset. How do you go about that? Yeah, how do we go about that? That's another. Because politics is not is not yeah. just the only way to, to, to change. Yeah, that that that, that is uh, that's a good question. Like I was saying, uh, the younger generation, the Africa Leadership Center, does that at his level. Uh, trains uh, uh, Africans uh, across the continent. I think uh how do we go about that? It's about organization. It's about when I'm talking of organization, organizing ourselves first internally because we talk about African dependent. African states are too dependent. And yes. how do we organize ourselves to be able to uh, face that particular uh, uh prism of dependence across the world? Because you know. Uh, there's a lot of a realist tendency when it comes to international relations, when it comes to interstate relations across the world. Yes. is have this kind of uh, a tendency of dominating another state. But how is how does a state preserve itself from this dominating tendency? Is by being yes. able to organize yourself very well internally. How do you organize yourself very well internally? And this is where leadership comes in. You find leadership everywhere. Leadership comes in because, yes, leadership comes in because when there is this kind of uh, responding people demand, and you said it, and that's why I didn't want to comment further. You said it that uh, it's when people lack trust, when people don't trust their government. Why? Meanwhile, when there is uh, a kind of trustful leadership whereby uh, leaders respond to the demands, the needs, and the wants of the people or the society, then this trust is systematically built up. And when yes. this trust is built up, then this is very difficult to have an external power coming to destabilize you because the trust is there and we trust ourselves. Yeah, even the developed world or the developed countries, uh, there are other uh, countries or nations who want to destabilize them because they trust and because the leadership is better off over there, you you, yeah. you find yeah. uh, them consolidating themselves in the peace pack. So yeah. I think uh, you've raised a very good point. I think and we have to further think into the direction how do we organize ourselves better to face the uncertainties, to face the uh, the uh, the grief of this kind of realist, uh, uh, capitalist, international world that always want to uh, suppress those who are less organized. And unfortunately, many African countries fall in the cluster of those who are less organized. And you find ourselves in so dependent. From your experiences, uh, do you think there are enough checks and balances uh, to keep African leaders in control or African leaders don't don't care whether these checks and balances exist. Yeah, enough uh, check and balances. 
of course that is uh that those are some key elements of uh, democracy if mm. there are not checks and balances and there's definitely lack of transparency and uh, you, wherever you it's like auditing in, in an organization you have you need these check and balances and that's why uh when we are talking about uh, the three arms of the government where you talk about uh, the independent among three arms of the government the executive the judiciary and the legislative and you find each and everyone playing their role accordingly according to the constitution generally your constitution are good but the level of implementation is not too good i think we saw of something in uh that is in malawi where uh, uh, the, the incumbent, the, the, the elections were cancelled and it was yeah. repeated and opposition uh, leader won. And yeah. that is the judiciary. That is to understand an independence of judiciary. But you will not see that in many African countries. Right? Yes, indeed. You will not see that in many African countries. I think uh, it, 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 it's an example that should be emulated. Yeah. And I think uh, we, we we definitely need to check and balance But most Importantly, what we need is what we were saying is about the organization. Because mm-hmm. as many African leaders uh, uh, set up their style to even prevent the check and balances from being effective. And, uh, yes. and yeah, and that's a, that's a difficulty we face. And again, with the, 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 consp- the, the conspiracy or the complicity of uh, some external power who claim to be democratic, I think you can see what just happened in, uh, in chat, uh, when it yes. really died, uh, you saw a uh, uh, few days after doing the funeral, uh, where the president of France was there, uh, to, uh, uh, to an extent, uh, confirm a transitional government, a military transitional government, uh, which was installed against the constitution against constitutional requirement because the constitution of, of Chad uh, stipulates clearly that in, the, in case of vacancy, the president of the National Assembly takes over for one reason or other. Some claim it was because of uh, uh, security urgency or emergency. They needed to uh, give it to uh, the military transitional government and France was there. France was there and, and that's what France have been doing across Central Africa or former colonies in Africa. Exactly. Albert, you, you seem to have benefited a great deal from the ALC. I mean, speaking yeah. to you over the years, I mean, how, how do you see the, the, it's progressing? I mean, are there, are there, are there changes you'd like to see? And uh, how do you see the ALC progressing in terms of developing uh, leaders for the continent in the future? Mm, yeah, I think the ALC is uh, definitely progressing in that direction. Uh, the ALC uh, has come up with, including uh, the leading practitioner program. Uh, yes. coming, we also have the mid-generation review term we are setting up. Uh, I think the ALC is, like you, you can tell, you, you know about it, the ALC looked into the future. Because yeah. it is now about the future, it's even no longer about it. But of course, it's very important to, uh, to, to, to understand what has happened in the past to be inspired, uh, to come up with a better solution or appropriate solution for the future. So, our African leadership is 
uh, systematically and is uh, committedly looking uh, at uh, the future. Uh, and that's why the African leadership has come up with uh, many programs and, and they are very, very much unfolding. And um, it's going on well. That is my summary about it. it's going on well. Uh, despite some of, of course, they are very normal to find those challenges when you are working, but it's going quite well. Dr. Albert Mbiatim from Cameroon, who was part of the 2013-2014 group of MSc Fellows in Security, Leadership and Society at the African Leadership Center, King's College, and who recently co-wrote a book, Whose Peace Are We Building? Leadership for Peace in Africa, with Yusuf Mahmoud, a visiting professor at the ALC. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Talking Africa and ALC Pan-African Radio. For these and other programs, please visit our website at alcpanafricanradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at African Leadership Center. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info at africanradio.com.